0: next item held, 300 schools. Dr. Hearn, you like to? The be comfortable.
1: Thanks, <laughs> okay,
0: so I've got a couple people who
1: may want to join too. Uh, and
0: I'm, I'll start with just like to say, Dr. Hearn, Chair Spencer, I would begin by saying thank you watched the school committee meeting last night, and I was very happy to hear uh the vote to declare the Day of Surplus is on the June 14th agenda. And I want to thank you very much for getting that on agenda. I know it's not been an easy process from finish, mm-hmm. but thank you for getting that on I'd also like to say thank you to you and the entire school department, central office staff, all the principals, teachers, support staff, cafeteria workers, and school staff. I know it's difficult to summarize the past three school years, and we often hear the negative comments, but in the end, kids throughout our community are having great success. I know graduation's around the corner, and I'm sure there will be some great sense of accomplishment for many kids in the town over the next month. As for future trends, it's been well established that the school district has had significant decline in enrollment over the past few years. What's the current student enrollment and Franklin Public Schools, and what are your normal projections for FY23?
1: Sure. Uh, Thank you, uh, Chairman Mercer. I just want to note that I'm here with Miriam Goodman, School Business Administrator. Dave McNeil is sitting here. He's the Budget Subcommittee Chairperson from the School Committee, and Denise Spencer, Chair of the School Committee, is joining as well. And it's uh, nice to be here uh, with you and the counselors. Franklin. Uh, There are a couple of school committee members in the audience as well. Dave Callahan, Al Charles, um, and Elise Stokes, who is the Vice Chair of the School Committee. Uh, Lucas Dugier and Paula Morano from Central Office are also here as well as Tim Raposa. Um, In terms of enrollment, um, our current enrollment is about 4,800 students, 4,809 students. Um, And this is something that I like to be sure to clarify in terms of the reasons for why the enrollment is declining and it has to do with birth rate. Um, We're graduating um, 430 students next Friday night, June 3rd, and uh, the incoming classes of late in kindergarten have been about 280 or 300 students. So that's about a 150 different swing and that's been happening uh, for quite some time. We're starting to see decreased enrollment hit the middle schools, and then um, and actually Franklin High School as well. So Franklin High School, um, when I started here five years ago, was towards 1,800 students, and it's now uh, 1,650 or so, which is what the building was designed for. Um, so uh, so they're feeling a little bit of uh, relief there, um, so to speak. But the MSBA design standards are pretty tight, actually. So. Uh, it still feels, I think, a little tight, particularly post-COVID, when everybody's used to having a little bit more space uh, between them. Uh, next year, uh, like I said, we're expecting an incoming kindergarten class, probably somewhere around, um, probably somewhere around 280. Um, we're still enrolling kindergarten, so the numbers that we have, I think, are going to be higher than this. But our current enrollment is looking like 4,650 which is within six students of what the demographer predicted um, in 2019. But I would note we are expecting more students to join kindergarten in particular between now and September. So I actually think that our enrollment projection uh, is a little higher than what was forecasted. Um, we are uh, seeing a lot of students register for ECDC um, in pretty dramatic numbers. And I think it's um, really noteworthy, too. Uh, post-pandemic, uh, a lot of districts saw their enrollment decline temporarily, uh, decline, and students not rejoining their district um, once school reopened, and we are not seeing that trend. So we have seen students um, rejoin the district, and I actually think we're gonna end up a little bit higher than, than, the, than the forecast. But those are some of the overall trends and patterns that we're seeing uh, in enrollment.
0: Thank you. Uh, to go along with that, we, we all know the closing of Davis there wasn't easy, uh, but now that it's been closed for a year, will the school committee, <laughs> I know the answer, I think, but will the school committee be engaging in a redistricting analysis to ensure that the current capacity of our schools are maximized?
1: Uh, The answer is yes. I don't know if uh, Chairperson Spencer wants to uh, add anything. I'll I'll start and she can join if she'd like to. Um, We initiated a Space Needs and Facilities Assessment uh, subcommittee of the school committee this spring. Um, It was chaired by Al Charles and uh, the subcommittee has been meeting uh, several times this spring. Um, There's a lot of turnover on the committee and uh, a lot of information to be shared with the entire committee um, from the Davis Thayer Facilities Analysis um, study a couple of years ago, as well as kind of the current status of school use um, and facilities needs. Um, So we spent this spring kind of conveying information to the subcommittee. Um, There will be a full presentation to the school committee at the next meeting uh, so that all committee members are informed of kind of the current status um, of uh, space utilization and um, kind of the condition uh, of the schools. uh, in an effort
0: to kind of prepare for a redistricting
1: look um, next year. Thank you. Do You want to end? No, that's perfect. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> having been having sat in your seat, Chair Spencer, when we redistricted twice. Good luck.
2: <laughs>
0: Not a fun thing to do, but. Uh, certainly, uh, <coughs> it's needed at times, and I think uh, certainly what school uh, uh, would certainly make sense to maximize our capacity. This one's from Miriam. Uh, what's the status of our schools revolving funds?
3: Yeah, so uh, we have about 25 or so revolving accounts that um, generate revenue for the district and are used, um, some of which are used to offset um, particular expenses in the budget. As you know, revolving expenses have to be used on particular uh, expenses. We have about $6.6 million in revolving funds right now. Um, we anticipate using $5.6 million of those dollars um, towards
0: our FY23 budget mm-hmm. at this point. Okay, that was the, the point that I wanted to make sure that we got to so that everybody understood uh, <coughs> that those revolving account funds are, are being used at FY23. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I've got one last <coughs> one and I'll get out of the way. Uh, Sarah, finally. Uh, I just want to say thank you for five incredible years here in Franklin. As you conclude your time here in Franklin, I have two softballs to throw. (laughs) (laughs) What are you the most proud of that you're leaving behind?
1: I actually think that's, those can be really hard questions because you really force yourself to try to pick one. Um, and I actually have kind of two, but they're related to each other. That's okay, um, I'll take two. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the things that I'm most proud of, and it comes up over and over and over again, and um, she kind of like threw my hand up in the air earlier today when I heard a principal talk about it as it related to um, instruction in the classroom is um, working with the community, the school committee, the council, uh, community members, faculty and staff, families and students themselves, on a shared vision um, for our graduates and putting a consensus picture together and bringing the community together around this shared vision and um, identifying those skills that we as a community think are essential for students to be um, practicing throughout their uh, time in Franklin. And earlier today, uh, walking through one of our middle schools, the principal um, kind of pointed out how the new science materials, which are grant-funded uh, from the state. We're happy to share that news with you, but we're getting some new middle school uh, grant-funded science materials. and. Um, they're connected to the portrait of a graduate and they're connected to these skills and students are going to be actively engaged in doing science and thinking like scientists and um, and I think that vision um, is something that I'm really proud of and um, and that it it goes from this concept right down into the classroom um, is what you hope to have Um, and then consistent with that I would say too is Um, putting together, working with the school committee and with your support um, from the town council, working to put some resources in place to make that happen. Um, And earlier tonight, I'm not gonna be as eloquent as he was, but um, the fire chief talked about um, staffing uh, equipment and resources and training, and that's what we need too. (laughs) Staffing equipment and resources and training and putting the pieces together Uh, most importantly, the the staffing. As a superintendent personnel, is job one, and having the staffing in place uh, to support that vision, whether it's retaining um, staff that's been here and uh, supporting them, uh, or bringing in um, new staff, talented new staff, and even some new roles with our digital learning integrationists, which had been on the list for a long time and had difficulty being supported in the budget. Uh, but then finding a way um, from the crisis that we were experiencing to have an opportunity to support them and some additional counselors. So that as a package is I think um, what I'm most proud of and um, I look forward to hearing about the future successes Uh, in Franklin and the kids are doing amazing things and I know they'll continue. (laughs) I'm
0: sure. One last thing, what's the biggest challenge Facing the school, commu- school community and Lucas, <laughs> yeah. what are you
2: leaving
0: there? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think there's certainly unique a, a unique Franklin context to this, but it's certainly uh, trends and themes that we're seeing across districts. And then I also heard it tonight too, in terms of the um, Chief Lynch. Uh, talking um, about some of the challenges that the police department is facing in society, which is um, an increased level and more diverse level of need uh, in the community. And for us, of course, that would be our students and our families. And then making sure that we're marshaling resources, uh, staff, equipment, training, uh, and space uh, to, to meet those needs. And I think the pandemic has, um, has created some new pressure points, but more than anything has really um, exacerbated wounds that already existed. And so I think we're seeing that with increased substance abuse, mental health concerns. Um, and it, it's certainly manifesting um, in students in terms of increased academic needs, um, increased social and emotional needs, um, increased uh, levels of uh, food insecurity among families. <coughs> and there's a lot of anxiety right now about times when um the support may get pulled back Um, so for example right now um, school breakfast and school lunch for two years has been provided at no charge through the federal government to all children so it just kind of levels the playing field um, for all kids and um, participation in the school lunch program has never been higher and um there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry um next year uh, we're expecting to have to charge for breakfast and have to charge for lunch and um we know that um you know with escalating inflation and um you know the the history of the pandemic with the jobs um that's going to be a hardship for for many families including uh, many who won't qualify for free and reduced lunch but are kind of on the cusp Um, and still struggling at home. So um, so it's meeting those needs um, and having the personnel to do so. Um, And again, it's a trend that happened before the pandemic where we were seeing um, more diverse roles um, among our school spaces. So ESL teachers, special educators, paraprofessionals, assistant principals, math and literacy specialists, interventionists, the need for those folks is um, greater now than it was before and I think it's going to continue to increase. Um, And then um, how we're using space is different. So um, the facilities assessment gave us uh, tremendous information, um, but all of the standards in terms of space utilization was pre-pandemic. People are used to a lot more space uh, between themselves and another person. And because the needs are more diverse among the student population, um, putting 24, 26, 28 students in a classroom with one teacher um, isn't going to meet the needs. Franklin students won't be uh, as successful as we want them to be and they deserve to be. Um, And so we're seeing a lot more small group instruction. Um, And so how are we rethinking how we're using space we need more places to put small groups of kids with specialized educators together. So um, it's not a Franklin-only challenge, but Franklin will have its own specific challenges to face um, in light of that.
0: Thank you. Questions from the council? Councilor Cornia ledger
4: Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and welcome, Sarah and school committee members, and I wanna echo the thanks to all of you for uh, an incredible job well done this year uh, in the face of enormous challenges. Um, so please know that we uh, we recognize that and we thank you. I just wanted to ask a clarifying question more for people at home. The 70 million, is the town's portion of your budget, but what's the additional money between federal and state on top of that that you work to
5: operate? So the 70
1: million is, um the total budget, um, Miriam can she's getting the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> she's pulling them up. <laughs> Seventy million is our
3: total operating budget um, for our general fund. Uh, on top of that, we're willing to spend, you know we're anticipating spending roughly five and a half million dollars in our revolving funds. Okay. Um, and in terms of uh, state and federal funds. We are looking at at least a million five from carryover for this year, plus another um, roughly million or so that we will get in in federal grant money.
4: So of the, I, I apologize. I guess I, I was mistaken. So of the seventy million, how much of that is actual town money versus state money and federal money?
3: So uh, chapter seventy will cover about twenty-eight and a half million dollars of that seventy million the town will pick up the differential. The state and federal funding is on top of the 70
4: million. Okay, I just think that's important for people at home to yeah. just understand the different pieces of the pie, because I know I certainly hear it all the time that you know we get more from the state, get more from the feds, but it sounds like we already get quite a, a decent amount, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there's a formula, if I can add to that, that $28.5 million has remained and will continue to remain relatively steady. I think that Chapter 70 funding uh, only went up by half a percent this year, something like that, whereas the expectation of the state as well as the needs of the district increased by a much larger percent. Um, And that's a function of the state looking at Franklin and looking at um, property values as well as median income, and saying that uh, your quote like ability to pay or your minimum required contribution is going up at a higher rate than they're supporting uh, with Chapter 70 funds.
4: So even with these like 150 or so projected student loss for the fall, that number from the state's
1: going to stay flat. It's
4: so not going it to go stays, down.
1: It stays relatively flat. Yeah, that's. Um, when we talk about being what's called a hold harmless district, um, they hold you harmless so that your um, chapter 70 money does not go down, but you only get kind of a small increment or a small increase for each people, um, which actually is projected and proposed to be a larger increase this year than it typically is um, from the state, but it's um, it's still projected to to
4: not increase very much. And, and what is our anticipated per pupil expense for fall of? Uh,
1: I don't know if we calculated it out that way. Um. I just, I, I
4: just, and I ask that because that question seems to come up a lot, and there were a lot of charts that circulated, certainly online, and during the pandemic about us being in a pretty low uh, percentile compared to other parts of the state. And I just would like to be able to answer that if people ask.
3: Yeah. So our per pupil expense as of 2020 was fourteen thousand six hundred and ninety-eight dollars. Um, we would anticipate that that would go up uh, in 20 for 21. I don't. I think 21's numbers like just recently came out, so I don't have them, that fingertips.
4: And do we do we know where we fall uh, in?
3: We are in line with the state. Yeah, we are in the 25th percentile. So 75 percent. 75 percent of communities in Massachusetts spend more per pupil than we do.
6: OK, THANK YOU.
0: Well, Councillor yes, you. CHANDLER, GO RIGHT DOWN THE
6: LINE. GO right DOWN THE LINE. THANK YOU, MR. Chairman. THROUGH YOU. HEAD OF THE SCHOOL COMMITTEE, SARA'S Hall CREW, THANK YOU FOR COMING. WE WILL MISS YOU, uh, DR. Hearn. THANK YOU, THAT'S VERY good. AND um, A COUPLE, I SAID THIS TO um, SOME OF THE SCHOOL COMMITTEE MEMBERS, OBVIOUSLY I THINK this year has been a little bit easier for me to um, explain things to people. And there was a couple things that happened that I was really glad that I was finally, you know, I was able to get through to people that the central office is finally down. You're not overspending in there. You know, it's down, it's the, it's the right um, amount of money. So it's not costing us too much. Everyone, you know, harps on that, especially from the old days. Um. And it, it was a lot of work for me to make people understand too about the counselors and those things that you really needed that got put in this budget that I'm happy about because the more these kids are slipping through the cracks, it's just anything that can help. I mean, it's heartbreaking. I mean, we just saw another incident. We really wanted <clears throat> to bring that up, you know, down so and. I'm just glad that we're able to get that for those kids, and, um, let's see what else did I have here, and other than that, that's, like I said, this was an easier year, I just, I appreciate everything you guys did, and, um, you know, there's only so much money to go around, now we have to, in the next 24 hours, we gotta look for a little bit more money, but, um, (laughs) I won't be going to bed tonight. Um, all right, thank you for everything, everybody. Thank, thank, you. thank you, Mr. Chairman.
0: Thank you, Council
5: Chairman. Council Pleasure. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, too, would like to say thank you to all of you. It's been a horrendous two years of trying to get everything together. And uh, with the Zoom and the meeting in that, um, I think you've done a wonderful job of the, to the school committee chairman and to the chair and to the members of the school committee. We thank you very much. Um, I have something to ask because I don't know how to answer this question to people, all right? Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for bringing the Davis there up at the next um, meeting. And I think that's going to be a, a very good project and I'm going to be very happy with it when we start to discuss. Um, we had over... Are just under, I should say, a thousand students—a decrease over the last six years. Um, that was in one of your reports. Yes,
1: I mean certainly over a decade. Um, not sure about six years, but um, what could have been a
5: little bit longer, but a yeah, the, a, little a little bit longer. Six, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a thousand students, <laughs> and now having lost that many students. We're closing the Davis that we closed it this past year. So we cut down on office staff, nurse, teachers, and custodians, and I'm sure some other things there too. Um, and yet, uh, your budget has gone up like $3 million this year, is that correct? Two point four. Close
1: to 2.4. 2. 4. 2. 4. 2.06. 2. 2. 3.
5: How do I explain to people that we're bringing, we closed the school, we lost students, and we lost personnel? I know some of the personnel you took over to the other schools, but those people had to have maybe, um, through attrition, had um, retired because you only have so many rooms to put people in. Um, what do I say to people? <clears throat>
1: We keep really close tabs on our staffing and its relationship to enrollment reduction. And so we've kept up with um, the number of classroom teachers that we have um, as long as we're staying within school committee guidelines for class size. So in the closure of Davis Thayer, nearly all classroom teachers followed the students over to Keller elementary school um, because we're really efficient in terms of keeping within class size guidelines. Um, As a result of the pandemic um, we kept, um, we keep the full nursing equivalent um, within the budget but we kept um, more because we needed more nursing staff. Um, all of the counselors followed the students. Um, the Title I staff followed the students um, as it's related to, it's uh, the, a the, the grant funded um, program, but um, that followed the students. So in terms of the cost savings, um, it, it was you kind know, of a fraction of the total expenditures um, that was spent on Davis there, um, because we are, I really think, very, very efficient in terms of um, keeping tabs of enrollment and, um, and targeting our resources um, most directly to the students. There's not a lot of extra, there's not a lot of extra administrative costs. Um, what we found this year um, are some pressure points. Um, losing two administrators from the move from Davis there to Keller has been an enormous stressor. Um, we know that students are coming back with greater needs, greater behavioral uh, needs, greater mental health needs. Uh, So the school committee was in support of adding the assistant principal position back to Keller's budget. Although there's not two principals, we did um, eliminate the principal position that was ultimately in charge of Davis Thayer. Um, But Davis Thayer had a small budget too. That's the other part. I think Davis Thayer's budget was something like $1.2 million um, and costs are growing higher than, um, than that figure. Um, So I think, I think it's a matter of us being very, very efficient all along um, and then costs growing greater um, as part of a trend um, when you look at um, the major budget drivers we have, transportation, healthcare, uh, out of district tuition and salaries, um,
5: costs are going up. I'm sure you didn't save on transportation because those kids now had to take a bus to go where they were going, whereas they were walking to the industrial. so that's an yeah, that's another. Yeah, yeah, that's another variable. Yeah. <coughs> well, I, I can understand some of that, absolutely. Um, I did have a couple of other questions, but. Um, oh. okay. I read through your the uh, Cover to cover, okay, he's done very, very well. Um, I did find that you had, and I might be wrong with the number here, Miriam, um, you can look it up for me. Um, for search for a new town superintendent, was it 87,000? It was 40,000. No, there was 40,000 in the number. But anyway, there's money that can be used for you know, <laughs> It's not going be taken out
1: now, you're not need it, and I think
5: it's great
0: that we have <laughs> a, yeah. coming to come to work. okay? <laughs> Lucas will do a great job. <laughs> I'm sure he will, as you have. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, you Councilor Council Plagery. Jamie, did you
7: want to interject? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just to Councilor Plagery's uh, question. Um, I would say two things to people that ask that question to you. Number one, Instead of a $2.4 million increase this year, the schools probably would have requested around $3 million had they not closed Davis there. The second point I would add into them is that the savings on a custodian or water and electricity and all those other incidentals are saved in the facilities budget under Mike. And so all- I
5: didn't mention any of those when I just spoke. Uh, you mentioned custodian. I said custodian. But that? Comes but and all of that. I know, I no
7: know. electricity, like plumbing, yeah. water, all that stuff. Right. I understand. Right. But the save for people that are concerned in the community, where was the savings? How does this? Where's the, right. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. the schools would have asked for a request mm-hmm. much higher. And the town has seen the savings in its budget now for two well this fiscal year currently, next fiscal year with the reduction in the maintenance of those services to operate the building. So I would say those two things hopefully would convey I think for the, most of the audience, they just kind of want to know the quick answer, right? So I think those are probably the two best bullet points to use. Thank you. Council welcome to Clayton. Councilor D'Orco. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
8: Sarah, congratulations, and I wish you the best of luck. You've done a great job with Franklin. And thank you to all you, everybody else, the school committee you guys did a great job. Everybody else, the whole staff, they did a great job. Uh, a couple things. I just on staff. How's the turnover as far as teachers go? How are we doing <coughs> compared to other towns?
1: I I I think we're probably pretty comparable to other towns. Um, we are experiencing um, some pretty high turnover. Um, we saw it first start with kind of administrative turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, so those positions typically come up earlier in the year. Um, and so we've been doing a lot of hiring um, as it relates to um, administrative staff, and um, not, not like in um, the secretary, admin assistant types, but um, ad- administrators, yeah. uh, school administrators, sorry. Uh, and we're now uh, starting to see uh, more of the retirements and resignations um, coming in for um, educators, paraprofessionals. professionals. Um, we had 19 uh, retirements last night. Um, that's about 30% higher, um, maybe even more, 40% higher than what we typically see. We typically have 12 or 13. Um, So I think retirements are up a little bit um, across all teachers, paraprofessionals, uh, cafeteria staff. Um, So there were 19 uh, folks uh, that we mentioned last night. Um, And then we're seeing resignations. Um, A lot of relocations. A lot of relocations uh, different and new opportunities coming up for folks um, some career exploration leaves Um, (coughs) so you know I think it's um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of personal circumstances that uh, people are experiencing that are um, causing causing the shift Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's happening in a lot of places um, and we've done some great hiring too so I, I think if people are seeing what's out there and thinking about new opportunities that might exist for themselves. We're also perhaps on the receiving end of that too with folks um, kind of looking to make a shift in their own life elsewhere. So we've hired some really, really great people. Um, so in terms of onboarding and mentoring and all of that, I think it'll be um, a lot of work in that regard because of the turnover, but we have hired some really, really great people um, for next year, but there are a lot of vacancies and some are gonna be difficult to fill some will be difficult to fill. Um, special education is an area that is a huge challenge, and it is not only in Franklin, um, it is in other districts, and it is in, um, yeah, it's just this, the special education positions in particular are really difficult to fill right now.
8: Okay, um, I, I know that um, <coughs> substance abuse is, I, I don't, with the, pan, with the pandemic, I know, uh, myself on the Safe Polish we've, we've experienced a high number of of cases and I'm just kind of, I know you, you're working with us now which is great um, but have you seen how, how's the cases in frank like, yeah
1: so we actually have a little bit of data on that which surprised us a mm-hmm. lot um, so the students take the Metro west youth risk behavior survey and we only have um, the preliminary report. We don't have uh, every single detailed um, question back just yet. We expect that before the end of the year. Um, But in the, so we haven't kind of released the results. um, And there will be a presentation um, at a school committee meeting uh, when the full report comes out. Um, But we were surprised to learn um, both in Franklin and then it's also part of the Metro West trend um, Mm -hmm. that vaping is down. Um, and so students are like self-reporting, um, and this is all students, grade 7 through 12. Um, vaping is down, alcohol use is down, um, and marijuana use is down, um, which really surprised us.
8: Yeah, that surprised Marijuana use really surprised me. Though.
1: We're wondering, um, and we want to dive into it a little bit more to understand how the question was asked. And if they see marijuana use, are they thinking about smoking it versus like an edible? And no. okay. so we're wondering um, if there's any kind of, just raised questions because it was such a surprise to us. Um, but that's what the you know, preliminary report has been showing. Um, there are other areas of concerns that came up, though.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you, Councilor DeLarco. Councilor Jones.
9: Thank you, Mr. Jones. Uh, first of all, Lucas, congratulations mm-hmm. on your three-year contract. Um, I heard I found this my last night the school committee meeting and also heard Ed Davis there <coughs> making it to our side of the bench at some point that we're also looking forward to that we so have a lot of good plans coming up. For this year. Uh Dr. Hearn, for one thing you to miss. Thank you for all the hard work that you put <coughs> into making the town of Franklin Public Schools. Um, the wonderful schools that they are in the meeting your a tremendous job and best of luck on your next position. Uh, I hope things go well for you and your future endeavors. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up as far as the numbers are concerned, and Marion, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. Um, for clarification purposes, and this kind of goes towards Councilor Cormier Legis' comments earlier, uh, of the $70,220,825 that's being recommended by FinCom, that makes up approximately 54.7% of the total general fund of 128360032 dollars um, of that 40.9% is state aid at 28730321 dollars which means that the remainder of $41,490,504 is actually the town's expense at 59.1% of that $70 million which if I take that $41,490, as the actual total amount that the town will be paying out of tax revenue that only accounts for 32.3 32.32 percent of that total budget which means that you know one of the one of the misconceptions that people think is that oh geez we're paying 54 percent of our budget is the schools no 32.32 percent is roughly what the town is paying because of the amount of the contribution that the state is contributing to this fund, coming I mean to these to this funding, and uh, on top of being in the 25 percentile, and on top of having uh, teachers being in the pay scale that the rent teachers are so solely underpaid for the type of work that they do, I actually had one of my apprentices today jokingly say, "Mr. Jones, what do you do all summer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do teachers do during vacation time?" <laughs> What do you think we do? We spend our time training about all the, you know, all the mandates that the state, and the DSC has that us to do. Um, what it boils down to again, the end of the day is we are certainly underfunded. And, and, and there's no, there's no arguing when it comes to that. And I think what it boils down to is that we as, a, we as a society, we as a community um, need to, need to come to a collective understanding that in order to support the level of education necessary for our students to garner the best possible education we can offer it's going to require additional funding and that's going to have to come from somewhere and it's one of those discussions that we're going to have to have moving forward we've been having this discussion you know for long on the council and um one of the things i hope is that um the community as yeah. a whole starts to realize that you know this type of investment into our community has a long term has a long-term effect on us because it, it is our kids it's our future and um, Lord knows I don't want to be doing this forever and I hope that someday my kids will be in a position that they can take care of me when I get older so I, so I can go to one of those 60 you know, elderly locations in the town and have an ambulance come pick me up when I'm you know, But in, in all honesty, what I'm what I'm getting, what I'm trying to drive to for my point on this is the fact that even though the number looks daunting, the percentage of which we as taxpayers in the town of Franklin are holding towards this really isn't as large as it seems. And that um, we could, in all actuality, uh, put in additional funding. And I think based on the discussion that has come across this test, many times if the state so chose to, for whatever reason, decided not to give us as much state aid as they have been, we would actually ultimately have to fill that gap mm-hmm. anyways. And it's just kind of one of those things that I don't think everyone sees a big picture here. We've been very fortunate to have this, the level of state funding we've had uh, for the past 12 years that I've been on this council. And uh, all I can foresee, and I don't mean to sound like a doomsday person here, is that the state comes to a point where it's 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 tapped its funds and it says okay we're gonna to have to make to chapter seventy now it's up to the communities mm-hmm. to make up that difference and that they could be just think of the inflation and anything else that's coming down the pike. It's just something I want to put in the council's ear as well as the community's ear as well. Um, but one one question I do have and I apologize for taking so much time is do you find that the teachers are do you find that people are really even interested in being teachers in the first place? Because of the amount of challenges that are associated with, with being a teacher. A, the relatively low amount of uh, salary that you can make. Uh, two, the hoops that the Department of Education makes you jump through. Like for instance, I have to renew my, my professional license next year and I have to prove that I have 150 hours of, of professional development. I only need 15 to get my electrical license. I can play with electricity. Fifteen hours, <laughs> but to be a teacher, I need 150.
7: That's ten times
9: more trainings to make a, a third of what an electrician makes, and, it, and it's very—it's daunting when people try to go out and find careers for themselves. To say, "Why would I ever want to be a teacher?" There's so many hoops to jump through. There's so much work that goes into being a teacher. What do you hear and see on your end from the t- from the teacher staff?
1: I see, um, I see a lot of stress and a lot of, I see a ton of stress among the teachers, uh, among all of our educators in the district. Um, these past three years um, have been really, really hard. And um, I think it came out I saw some of it last night when um, the retirees were recognized. Um, it was a really emotional night. It more, more so than normal. Um, it's usually a, a nice celebration, but there were a lot of people here. A lot of people here supporting each other. A lot of tears. Um, it was a really, it was really more emotional than most. I, and so I see a lot of stress. Um, and you know, that's kind of. What we see kind of day in and day out with our with our current workforce, um, and um, it, it's understandable. Um, you need a whole bunch of things that um, that that are pressures, and I think we keep on getting asked to do more and more and more. Um, a lot of social services, a lot of agencies that um, had previously been community organizations and hubs that would support kids mm-hmm. and support families have kind of broken apart and, and fallen apart, and it's kind of left to the schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there, I get kind of frustrated from a public health standpoint that there's not more support, uh, particularly for mental health services, uh, in other agencies. Um, and so, uh, so, so we do our best, you uh, to, know, to, to try to, the state's been very supportive with earmarks, for example, with additional funding, uh, but yet still the capacity um, of what we're being asked to do as isn't uh, quite where it needs to be. Um, a little bit of optimism, I suppose, um, depending upon the position that we're searching for. Um, you know, There are still great candidates out there, and we're doing some wonderful hiring. Um, I want to say we have um, like high school positions, English, social studies. We still generate 100 candidates um, in a candidate pool for, um, for some positions. Um, I think Franklin has a great reputation. Um, people are typically, by the time the final interview comes around and I'm offering them a contract, very, very excited. They've developed relationships with the department head or the principal along the way, and people are pretty excited. Um, but there are positions that are really, really hard to fill that we seem to be constantly looking for. Uh, ESL, English as a English language learning teachers, special educators, um, middle school math and science teachers are, are to, uh, also to find. So um, and it depends and I think how can we make some of those positions um, more attractive um, and maybe. Balance out uh, where the people who want to go into teaching maybe steer them into uh, some of the other paths, um, but uh, but it is it is a worry, and it kind of gets back at Chairman Mercer's question around you know what are some of the biggest challenges is the student needs, and then not only having the positions but then being able to fill the positions um, is a challenge that we're all facing.
9: One last thing, Mr. Chairman. Um, of course, I had to bring this up. Um, Do you have any kind of outgoing statements as a superintendent in regards to what we can do um, to continue to address, or bring up um, how we're going to fight up against unfunded mandates? I had to bring up the word.
1: Yeah, um, I I don't have great uh, parting words or words of wisdom there. I think um, because we're a whole, because Franklin's a whole harmless district in terms of Actually, I do have. It's not so much about the funding; it's about the mandate. So I think Franklin receives it's a sizable sum based on the decreased enrollment and being held harmless. Um, you know, the Chapter seventy. There's ex, there's a significant amount of excess aid coming into the town according yes. to the mm-hmm. state's formula. So it's not. I think it's less about the funding and more about focusing on what mandates can be lifted. What can we take off the plate? Um so that the community can focus in on its community specific needs. Yes. So where where's the you, you regulatory
10: relief? Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Councillor Jones. Councillor <laughs> <laughs> Hamblin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> 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 um Doctor Hearn, Miriam, Chair Spencer, Dave, ever all the cha- the school committee members out there and in the audience, I and look at what you've done this year, and it's amazing, all the hard work. It's obvious with this budget that you've cut, and, and you've, you've been very efficient in trying to put all the pieces together. And it must have been, um, it, it was a tremendous amount of work, I'm sure. And it's almost like you um, just pushed all, all the rock um, so over the hill. So I appreciate all the work that you've done. It's obvious that it was a lot. Um, Through the FinCom meeting, uh, they, someone, I think it was George, mentioned that the budget is very light on the administration. So that means like the third floor, I'm thinking the third floor up near Jamie, there's not many people there that do all this work. And um, I, I almost think like maybe you need to make it a little thicker to get a lot of this stuff done because it's a lot of work. Um, but I appreciate all the work that Marian does. I think you you probably do all that by yourself. <laughs> um, yes. <she> does. yes. <laughs> she does, okay. So she does. She does that all yeah, by, yes. She does all the funny stuff by herself. But this one She's really smart, but she's yeah. overworked. I think. Um, one of the other things I heard from the FinCon meeting. I think you can. I think Marian could, <coughs> could um, correct. Me that you were thinking about starting a dyslexia program, which I think is wonderful. And um, how much do these programs cost? Like, how much do do you get a grant for it? Like, where does this money come from?
1: So, um we are anticipating needing to provide additional services in reading, um, you know, particularly for students who are diagnosed with dyslexia. There's a big state um, expectation and push uh, around the screening there's and then providing YouTube. those services. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and I think that thinking is evolving. I mean, we have our specialized programs in um, you new know, differing schools based on uh, the profile of students and their needs. Um, and. As far as uh, dyslexia goes, it probably, I think it's shaping up to be um, maybe services that occur in all of the elementary schools um, rather than kind of a designated program, but very specific. I want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. You <laughs> <me> <laughs> <there>. <laughs> um us none they're, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> rather than um, you know, kind of a specialized program in one of the schools. Um, and so you're talking about um, you know, some teaching staff um, that are specialized. Uh, we've already added two positions One um, at the middle level, and in this in FY twenty two, and then in FY twenty three, there's another teaching position at the elementary level to support dyslexia um, services for students with dyslexia. Um, All told, I'm not sure we have projected out necessarily what that would look like all told, but um, you know we're we're aiming um, we're aiming to add a couple positions, I would say, over the next couple of years to support those reading services.
10: That's great. I think it would like all staff would have to be trained to be able to identify
1: yeah so that's a great so yeah thank you for adding that because it wouldn't necessarily be uh, just staff that we would bring in with that expertise but we have been making a concerted effort to train staff that we have um, using um, some of the funding that's in the budget train them in the um, special reading programs in order to provide those services so that is another avenue and we have been pursuing it excellent thank you so much
10: and Dr. Hearn we
0: will miss you. you. Uh, And thank you Mr. Chairman, back on the floor. Thank you Councilor
11: Henley. Councilor Frangelo. Thank you. Uh, I'll echo a lot of what's been said. I don't think that there's anyone that, you know, any place that school has been harder on than our schools, our school staff, faculty, and Uh, school committee members, so uh, we we appreciate all of you. Uh, I think something that Councilor Jones articulated well, um, and and Councilor Cormier-Ledger touched on, is what, what really, I think, entered the town dialogue and town understanding, which is how much we're underfunding our schools, or at least how big of a desire it is to uh spend more on our education i think we i've certainly heard that as a top priority or as the top priority uh, around town uh, and i think the uh, most recent election reflected that you know in a town I, we're constantly getting awards you know that's you know, DPW director got an award uh, water got an award police is getting recognition uh, fire is getting recognition finally like, all of these are our top um, in, in the state, and I, and I think people are starting to recognize that the, the place that we might be falling short is our schools, and, and that's not to say um, that, that we're not doing fantastic. I said last year um, that we, we do a lot with very little, and, and I stand by that. It doesn't take long um, to be in a school to be you know, amazed by um, how well we're preparing our students um, despite being in the bottom 25% for uh, per pupil expenditure, we're nowhere near that uh, percentage. And just about any statistic uh, you want: APs, SATs, graduation, uh, extracurriculars are, are top in the nation. Sports are, you know, we, we are, are top in uh, in the state. Um, so, I, you know, I, I commend you for, for what you have done um, with what you have. Um, but we think that there's that there's room for more. Now, we as a as a council are assuming this goes forward are giving you everything that you asked for this year. Now, I think a lot of that um, a, a lot of the ask was in some recognition of the constraints of the town and, and um, you know what was reasonable to be asked you know, how much can you continue to ask uh, in future years? And so we appreciate you, you attempting to, um, you know, sort of measure yourselves and give us a reasonable uh, ask. Um, and, and I'm proud of the town. I mean, I think that if, if you're out there saying, hey, I, you know, I voted and, um, you know, wanting to improve funding for uh, schools, uh, the, our operating budget's going up Four point three million this year. Fifty-six percent of that, if I did my math correct, is going toward um, our, our schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are, you know, making improvements, and we're uh, again giving everything uh, you asked for, which has not always been uh, true in the past. So my question to you is, uh, what wasn't asked for? You know, what what's not being uh, funded uh, that could be uh, if we had more more funds?
1: Um, sure, thank you. Um, so there were a couple of things that were in the um, discussions that um, didn't make it into the budget. Um, some of it's a capacity piece, um, but some of it also too is in recognition of you know, what is reasonable, what are, what are the town finances, having a conversation with Jamie uh, about where things stand in terms of expected revenues. And uh, the two items that uh, we had discussed a lot at the budget subcommittee um, included um, world language and expanding our world language programs. This comes up over and over again as um, as a desire of families. Um, I haven't done any formal surveying, but every now and again I'll get uh, some communications uh, from families who may choose to send their children um, to uh, the charter school in particular where there may be um, world language offered and choices offered earlier than they are in Franklin Public Schools. Um, If those students chose to stay in Franklin Public Schools, not that I want to compete with our colleagues down the street, Um, and I have a high regard uh, for the work that Heather Zonowski is doing at the charter school, but it's just an example of um, of a a program that would be highly, highly desired uh, by families, but more importantly, uh, teaching teaching language skills and language acquisition um, and all of the um, culture that comes with that at a younger age um, when students are primed to be learning um, learning languages and so it would be kind of implementing and instituting um, elementary um, world language um, as well as I mean if I had um, really if I really would offer um solution there too in terms of expanding to meet those needs would be also providing choice in world language in middle school and expanding offerings in world language at the high school. So really building out the world language program uh, to meet those uh, portrait of a graduate skills and kind of the contemporary education. Um, I think um, we've talked a lot about um, making sure that um, reading materials that students have represent um, windows, mirrors, and sliding doors, meaning that they are seeing themselves represented in the books that they read, um, seeing a diverse set of characters in the books that they read, and um, what opportunities that presents to them to experience that world. And um, I think our K-8 to libraries are areas that um, could use a more professional. Our, our ESPs do a tremendous job, but they are not Um, trained librarians and media specialists. And so that was something that we've um, talked about as well in terms of um, restoring, those were positions that had been cut, but restoring library media specialists um, in K-8. to Again, our ESPs have done a tremendous job of um, adding texts and adding materials and kind of walking around the libraries and seeing what those texts are. there's some, some diversity um, that is being represented, this being uh, Asian American uh, and uh, Pacific Islander Heritage Month uh, display in one of the libraries today uh, that I saw uh, focused on that theme. Um, but yet there still are is also a need to cull through uh, older materials. And in some ways, the older materials that are on the shelves is a bit of a time warp. Um, and um, one of the books that I saw, Referenced um, Laura Bush as the first, uh, the first lady, <laughs> and so it's just kind of indicative of kind of a time warp um, because nobody's going through the materials, and some of them do become historically outdated or um, in terms of our. Um, cultural uh, proficiency um, materials that we may not want to uh, have on the shelves for students to take out. So, having uh, a professional in the library uh, in the libraries to do that work, um, and also develop literacy skills and a passion for for reading, um, would be another another area. I think consistent with the library piece, you're also seeing um, districts move towards, and we're doing it. They're they're doing a great job, but it's again going to fall short of um, really what we need in terms of digital literacy and um, understanding um, kind of digital citizenship um, and having um, uh, some coding opportunities uh, at the elementary level Um, so i think that that is um, an additional area that you know if you were saying what do you really need i think that the kids uh, do really need that and to fit all that into the elementary day would probably mean expanding the school day um, a little bit further um, in order to retain time on literacy and math instruction and um, we do have a relatively short day compared to uh, some neighboring communities where their elementary day might be more like six hours and 25 minutes or six hours and 30 minutes Um, so I think there's um, there's some pieces there. Um, I also talked about student needs, um, free lunch and free breakfast, and continuing that. Um, it's something that um, that I would advocate for uh, kind of at the state level. Um, I, it doesn't look like they're going to support it, but I think it really has been a, a, a leveler um, for, for our students. Um, some districts have, um, with more needs and more expectations on our teachers and the stress that they're feeling, they need more support, which is where math and literacy specialists uh, come into play. Um, Some (coughs) districts also have SEL coaches to help teachers um, integrate and attend to social emotional learning and well being of students in the classroom. And then um, I can't, this is, this would be on my list, or it has kind of already been alluded to um, tonight. Um, but I do think that we're really lean in central office. I think it's not a real exciting um, position to put in that you know somebody would you know kind of um, necessarily rally around. Um, but we are really lean in central office. Um, when the pandemic happened and we shut down schools, uh, a lot of um, communication, um, our systems broke, and we had to rebuild them. And who does that um, system wide? There's partners in the buildings that that do it, but the central office team um, really had to build those systems back up uh, in the remote environment. And then you go back to in-person and you have to figure out how to do it all over again uh, in-person. And um, we, I think, developed an increased reliance on the central office team, uh, whether they're administrators or uh, non-administrative personnel. Um, so taking a look at the structure up here to see if we have enough support and I would offer an assistant business administrator and an assistant technology director it would go a long way because um, I think we are really lean um, and so I would add that to the list too.
11: Oh, uh, thank you for that list. It's a You asked. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I'm hearing. That lesson, and I hope others are hearing that lesson. I hope we're hearing that lesson, and, and not hearing fluff. I mean, digital literacy, um, basic literacy skills, reading, you know, with, um, up-to-date reading materials, basic needs, of, you know, food for, for students who need it, um, you know, assistance for administration, um, social-emotional learning, like these all seem like very basic. Um, pieces that are needed in education that, that our current students are, are missing out on. So I appreciate you um, for providing that, that list for us. And if I could actually add one more, or possibly I'd be interested in your, your thoughts. So well, when I hear today you've said um, high turnover, we have high turnover, of faculty, um, uh, a lot of relocations, going to other places, and uh, difficulty replacing uh, positions to me a lot of that is culture and and what it is to be a teacher but a lot of it is salary and having competitive salaries um and then you know that's just to fill positions not even talking about quality of of, um, teachers and really pushing uh, and you know making sure that we're attracting um, top talent so I, i think we our, our mind goes to positions, but there's, you know, uh, I guess I'm asking, you know, is there also a piece of, you know, are, are we able to offer as competitive salaries as we would like? Um, and, and I guess a second piece to that question would be, you know, do we look at the cost of, you know, when we're talking about the cost yeah. of salaries, are we also comparing that with the cost of vacancies and replacement mm-hmm. of uh, turnover?
1: Yeah, um, so we, you know, look at comps and we um, take a look at similarly sized communities um, or we look at the region. Um, I particularly, we belong to two collaboratives. One is the Accept Collaborative and um, one is FICO which is here in Franklin and it's basically the region um, that we collaborate for um, in particular special education services and um, so we use them um, for salary comps and um, you know, I, I do think that um, I do think that, you know, especially in terms of um, the the pride we take in Franklin and the aspirations we have for students, um, there's room for improvement. Um, in terms of vacancies, um, you know, we have lost some candidates who. Um, didn't come to Franklin because of the salary decrease. Um, And um, in terms of vacancies that we can't fill, um, we've never quantified it, we've never kind of quantified the cost, but certainly every time you have turnover, there's going to be some measure of administrative cost that happens. Um, I think that there are some positions that are still going to be hard to fill sure. um, because there's just not enough candidates, kind of independent of what a reasonable salary would be. So, it's um, kind of a mix, probably depending upon you know when you think about the number of staff we have. It's kind of probably probably a mix. Um, you know, but the comps are all you know publicly available, and um, you know I think that it's a, a fair question.
11: Appreciate that. Thank you. So those those are my two big, Uh, questions. I have a a third small one, which just happened to have you guys in front of me. This is something that had come up, but we we, uh, put a lot of effort into um, attempting to change culture, especially in our high school, you know, around um, our DEI initiatives, around bullying, around just, you know, letting people know what's going on. One of the best tools that we have for communicating to students um, is uh, Panther TV, the um, of morning announcements that are super super well recorded and put together, and a lot of thought and time goes into that. Um, I, I, as I talk to students, um, they say that most teachers don't put them on uh, in the morning, and um, that very very few uh, of those are ever seen uh, by students. So, if I put a small thing in, um, maybe that's that's worth. Uh, Reexamining. Yeah. Um.
1: That's the first I've heard of it,
11: and I'd be happy to take that back because they do a tremendous job. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, that, those are my, my three things. I, I would end on, on a thank you to you. Again, another friend that um, I, I highly commend um, the the effort that you put in to get around the community, to show up. Um, uh, another friendly face on the Freedom Team meetings. And uh, as excited as we are for, for Lucas, we're, we're really sad to see you go. Thank
0: you for everything. Thank you, Councilor Frumjillo. Councilor Sheridan. There's something else to ask. As a parent,
8: thank you for your service. my first son's graduating next Friday, so I'll be there. Great. thank you for all your service, and a lot of other councils have covered as far as finding pieces of salary. That, right, that's the stuff I was going to so ask. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your service, and good luck in possible. Thank you.
0: Okay. Is there any
7: questions, in the audience? You're not the audience. I know. I feel like it tonight, though. Stu, am an too much? How,
0: administrator?
7: I think it's more than well deserved. That I really would appreciate everybody giving super. <laughs>
12: time to speak with us and us so thank you for considering our budget and uh, just like to you know, echo what's what's already been said and um, you yeah, know a lot of hard work was put into putting this budget together from Sarah from Miriam and also from us on the budget subcommittee as well as on the school committee a lot of thought was put into it and when I think about all the work they do doing the school committee and you know always say, I think, to something, a recent presentation actually, that kind of puts a nice button and very human face on what goes into our budget. And we had a recent presentation of the Franklin Unified basketball team. And if you're not familiar with us, now we have, it's just, it's wonderful that we have this program with students with. Know, special needs and without special needs coming together onto one team and recently they were able to represent not just Franklin but all of Massachusetts at the Special Olympics down in Florida and we're just so happy for them, just really truly the best of what Franklin has to offer but the fact that this program exists in Franklin is a testament to what we are providing our students here. The fact that we have such amazing extracurricular activities that all of our students can participate in, feel included, have a sense of community, is excellent. The fact that we have special education programs and proper supports for those students to be able to have the education that they need here in their hometown is a testament to the quality of the education we're providing for everyone. And on top of that, the fact that we can provide that education here for those students that they don't have to go out of district is also an efficiency in our budget that we are saving money through that through that means as well. So taking all this together, I think it's, it just puts a wonderful face to what we are providing for Franklin students and for what Franklin Public Schools truly is. So I just wanted to bring that to light for all of you and thank you for your support of this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Folks, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Moving on. The next item held B-E-W. Uh Department Four Twenty Two. And <laughs> uh, again. I'll start through Thank you to the entire DPW staff, administrative team. They're often, this department is often unmentioned. Essential workers will keep our community running strong all year long by maintaining our streets, water and sewer systems, and many other tasks that most of us don't even think of because they're doing their job and doing it well. So thank you to the entire department.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
0: I have two quick ones, hopefully. What services are restored in this year's budget from FY22? So, not to backtrack
13: a little, we had lost, our biggest thing we lost was we lost two positions previously, um, and that was because of the stormwater mandate that we had to make cuts to what EPA said we had to do. So this year, um, my budget did go up, but we were able to um, uh, get two, two positions back. So they in July 1st, we're, you know, we're looking for folks now, but July 1st, we get two two positions back into uh, the Public Works General Fund. So um, that's that's been a big help. So we're looking forward to that, if we can get people, like. Everybody else has been yeah, yes, that, that's that's been the biggest thing we were able to start. Okay. Great. Thank you. Can
0: you give us just quickly some project updates of what work will be going on in the town over the summer?
13: Sure. Um, so we pretty much already finished up Arlington Street. We put the new water line in and down that down in that area, and uh, that's you know we were able to get that project out early, and you know because. Yeah, we could still talk about materials and everything else, but the, they had the, the pipe and everything. except that 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 job buttoned up, came in um, on budget, which was very good. Macintosh um, Roadways, the that whole neighborhood, you know, has been a disaster for like as long as I've been here. So we got all the water pipe, the drainage infrastructure in. So now we're going to go ahead and uh, you know repave it. We had a neighborhood meeting last week. went over you know our, our roads program and everything like that. So. That um, is gonna be starting late June, early July. Um, once again, that job, uh, that came in on budget. You know, we what we estimate, I've been very surprised by a lot of these. Uh, Country Club Water Main is and one we've been <coughs> planning to do. It's gonna be done next year, but because of our money coming forward, we're gonna tackle the Water Main this year. So that's um, been out to bid, and it should be starting in July also. So that we're gonna be tearing up that area over there. Um, the Grove Street signal, you all know that's been out there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we bid that out. It, we got a good bid on that. We got the easements in. So that's the first part of Grove Street. We put the signal in up on the Washington. Go down about a quarter mile and do that. That's the big phase there. You know, So that's going to be starting in uh, July also. The one that really came in good, and this is what folks are really going to know around town, we're doing a mill and overlay, and that's we take like the top layer off and fix everything. So we're going to be hitting um, King Street, basically, the whole length is King Street, section to Union Street, and then, you know, most people know that the majority of 140 is, you know, maintained by the state, like out here, but we do own that section of town, so we're going to redo the whole intersection of King and Chestnut, that's just been, you know, everybody <laughs> drives through there all the time, so it's going to look like, that's going to be very visible to the residents, and, and that came in, like, Two hundred thousand dollars under budget. We anticipated, so we like under budget. I know it's a the made a mistake in an adding the statement, by law he has to accept it. <laughs> so, um, and then the SNET trail, uh, which is a lot of folks do use it, and um, so we're we're going to be doing the grading out there. And I wanted to add earlier that in house and public works are actually because of getting so much use out there, we're gonna, we're, extend, we're expanding the parking lot out there. So we're going to kind of do that in house and work on that. Con Con right now, um, folks know up by Jefferson. We did that, that 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 maintenance I think called the micro seal on top of it. So that's a huge neighborhood. Um, but we're going to do the phase two, basically. That we're going to get like the Harrison area, the Jackson Circle. So that whole area will be done, and that would be pretty much in place. Hopefully, next ten to fifteen years. Uh, Grove Street. This is the one that Jamie and I always talk about. Um, it's a big project, you know. It's going to be four million dollars. I will all a funding source and done. But we should—that's going to be going out to bid shortly, and we should start that. that's almost a two-year job, so we're going to hopefully start this fall, and then going forward. Um, and then you know, stuff that Carlos see go- I'm sorry, this is Carlos Bellas, the Highway Ground Superintendent. Derek Adams uh, is the stormwater environmental affairs. But we're also. Um, We've already put out. We're doing miscellaneous asphalt work. You know, just fix like we do little different things. We did. They met with the concrete guys today. We're going to be fixing. Uh, we heard from the council about 100 panels, different locations in town for sidewalks, and then we do our typical infrared repairs. You know, the castings and stuff like that. So that's. So, uh, the biggest thing we just some of the things we just wait on materials for the water pipe. You know, was available, wasn't available, but uh, so we, there'll be a lot going on this summer. Sorry.
0: Good to hear. Okay, questions from the council? Councilor Frangillo.
11: Yes, thank thank you as always. I won't go through my my typical rant around how much we're underfunding our road maintenance um, and building out in a way that's unsustainable, but that's still true. Um, I said it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure I it was I'm trying to get out of here. We're going we to have it. We're going going to have to do it. We're going to have to do Especially commend you uh, for the work on, on SNET, and I'm super, super excited about uh, the improvements there and the parking lot expansion. Um, my two main buckets. Uh, first one is around, um, just sort of priorities within house. Uh, I, I would imagine, I'm, I'm fairly sure that um, in terms of money spent on a ride, on like moving someone around town, uh, that it costs a lot less for us to move someone who's walking, riding, or biking around town and providing them the services. Um, And I'm wondering if, you know, how often we look at whether we're appropriately prioritizing uh, those movements around town, both in our construction of uh, new infrastructure uh, as well as our maintenance and and sort of within maintenance, our snow removal uh, within that. You know, I I know that we got complete streets, super excited about that, and we haven't been able to implement that. I would imagine that's part of um, your answer, but I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts on how we prioritize those projects and if there's been a change in, in priorities. We're, we're constantly evaluating what we do, and I think you and
13: I have talked, and I know the chairman and I have talked about uh, sidewalks, you know, particularly, and, and, I, and I will say, not that I was ever skeptical, but, you know, Tom made a great um, improvement when we did uh, Pleasant and Chestnut Street. and. It's amazing. I drive around town. People use it all the time, and that was great, you know. And I, and I was surprised about how much it was, and that was a great investment town. So, we you know, we're looking at different areas in town to do to keep tying stuff together to get, uh, you know, the big return conductivity and moving stuff around. So, so we're doing that. The um, Complete Cities program, obviously, we look at it. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're still dealing with, most people still drive cars. And I got to tell you, suburbia, since the pandemic, the, the transportation use of the cars has gone up. People aren't. Go by the train station. People are still driving into town. They're still getting out. So, we have to react to that, because that's a immediate priority right now, and that would be the Grove through light that, you know, has been, been under study for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also deal with where suburbia-type towns, so it's the, uh, the the traffic calming aspect of it. You know, so we're going to want to reduce roads. And then, it, it's really interesting on one hand they're like oh you got to use less impervious area but we want to put more bike lanes in that's what they say and so it's an ideal of issue on one hand but i'm trying to balance it out other ways too so but we your answer is yes we're always looking at that and we're trying to uh carl's got a lot of good things with our signalization in town where the folks know we used to do the signal everything was timed before now we're trying to get more cameras in there so it's actual reads and so instead of sitting there for two minutes hey, if no one's there, the light changes, people aren't idling their vehicles or moving stuff along. So um, we're, you know, some money in here, we're gonna upgrade a couple more like that. So yes, we are constantly looking at stuff like that.
11: Awesome. If I could just briefly push back on a few of those. Sure. Uh, one, you know, if, if something was useful, people would use it. You know, if there was more uh, walk-in safe, the and in- biking infrastructure and it was maintained and you know clear of snow in the winters uh, that I think you would see you know usership increase and thus the use of cars decrease right if we build our world to uh, prioritize cars then you're going to get more car uh, driving uh, I also think that you know a lot of Frank and for all is going to be um, at least you know somewhat gently increasing the density around our downtown, that's more people that will be within, you know, walking, biking and wheeling distance um, of some of their their basic needs in the commuter route. So I I think that might be the direction that we're going in terms of adding impervious, you know, um, I think we have very wide roads in a lot of places. And so in many places, it won't require uh, an expansion of the roadway or rather require people slowing down on uh, straight away is there you know, uh, are places where they can go a lot faster because they don't have to worry about people on, on the sides of the road um, and, and maybe we can change both of those at the same time. But I, I hear you and I'm glad that you're uh, that you're thinking about that all. Uh, my only other uh, bucket was on um, compost, something that we've uh, certainly talked about um, and gotten updates. If I could just get the latest update on um, where we're at and thinking about removing some of our organic waste from uh, our waste stream.
14: So right now it's going to be maximizing the at-home compost bins, which I've been getting through a grant with the state, for which we is funded through the efforts of how well we're doing recycling for the curbside program. So the way that I see it, it's overall going to be a comprehensive program that involves the land transfer with the recycling center, and hopefully we can have something set up there where there could be a drop-off area. In the meantime, I think the way to go is for folks who are fortunate to have a space at their house, if uh, they have one, to be able to purchase a discounted compost bin where they can start, instead of throwing the scraps in the trash, in the waste stream, they can compost at home. I think that's the most affordable way to do it now. Some towns or municipalities are doing a curbside collection service, which has its benefits, uh, but also involves a carbon-emitting truck driving (coughs) these things. So the way that I see it, the best option forward would be, and there's a lot that's gonna go into it beforehand, but one of the options could be once the recycling center gets smoothed out in the future and there's more space up there to have an operation there, whether it's town operated or a third party vendor could potentially have a collection service that's done sustainably that can then bring that compost to the recycling center, process it there, and then make that available for the residents
11: of the town. Um, and that's sort of what I see going forward. We love to hear it. We love to hear it. Thank you. Uh, thank you. you. You guys are, are by far my uh, favorite staff to, to ring up and answer. Uh, uh, A lot of people are uh, but, but everyone is always uh, super, super helpful and responsive and kind and courteous, and I really uh, appreciate the work that you guys are doing at TPDW. Thank you, sir. Sure.
0: Thank you, Councilor Frangillo. Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Thank
4: you, Mr. Chairman. Cope, you only go after them because you don't dare go after police and fire, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's just be honest. Uh, and I, I will I will echo what, what's been said, though. You guys do a tremendous job. And mm-hmm. I wanna preface, I wanna say that before I mm-hmm. criticize. Bye. But yes, snow removal, roads, parks and rec but there's a lot to what you guys have to maintain and keep up especially with west staff and i've talked about sidewalks before and i'm not talking about building new ones i'd really like us to somehow put together some sort of comprehensive plan to address existing sidewalks particularly in our neighborhoods that are not new because we've got parts of franklin that you know, from the 50s, from the 60s, from the 70s, from the 80s, like these aren't newer developments and I can walk up and down Oakland Parkway, for example, and talk to any number of those neighbors who can never recall a sidewalk being redone Um, and it shows, like no, not, you know, trying to bust them guys, but like you can clearly see that that sidewalk is aging and people can't walk on it and they... There's so much trees and so much shade, obviously, that it's damaging the sidewalks. But people would feel a little more comfortable if there was at least a plan, right? If there was a list they could see that said, hey, yeah, we're, town's not going to get to it this year, but we're going to get to it, you know, a couple of years from now, or maybe there's, you know, somebody at least kind of watching the ball. I appreciate new projects very much, but people should be able to walk around their own input. And not have to step out onto the street with their stroller or with their dog or just on their morning jog they should be able to use the sidewalk so is there anywhere in here and i know it's a massive budget and i know it's late but is there somewhere in here where i could get a little glimmer of hope that some existing sidewalks are on the plan for the new budget i could say yes but Honestly, no.
2: I <laughs> can't <laughs> 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 <You
13: know, laughs> we always on We, know, we, <laughs> we, we did we did hear you, and that's like I talked about earlier. that of concrete guys are coming to start fixing panels. We're doing the, like a lot of high this concrete, a lot of high focus work. We really identified our sidewalks that we're trying to do with our roads program. I think when we go and do the whole infrastructure all together. You know, I, I could give you a myriad of lists of roads, Southgate, all through there, we've redone all the sidewalks out there, you know. But the priority that I've really gotten right now is that there are so many roads in town that are awful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just the, the roads, and the roads are somewhat more of a priority. That's what I'm hoping, you know, because it's people that get potholes, um, they there's wrecking their cars, they're doing other things. but. So, I, we, I never ignore a sidewalk in, in neighborhood when we're in there. We're doing the total reconstruction. If there's really um, some uh, um, serious safety type thing, you know, really heaving or stuff like that, we do go up Markham and we, we, we try to do it like that. And, and Carlos, I know, has done some sidewalk replacements, <coughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that we don't replace things. But the whole thing, going through a whole neighborhood, it's, it's very it's very difficult to do. To, I just.
4: No, and, I, and, I, and i recognize it's that it's you know it's not an easy thing right and that maybe if a section or a particular street was done one year at a time and over time there was just a plan because it is a safety issue just like driving to consular frangillo's point it's a safety issue for people walking too and if we want to encourage people to be out using the sidewalks then they need to be actually usable and so, um, so I, 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 will just I, I will
13: add that you know we do our payment management plan i think we do it every you know we update every 10 years and that's how we come up with our roads list and our ratings um we're actually doing part of doing some of the sidewalks right now and we're, we're focusing on handicapped sections because that's mm-hmm. obviously very user type thing so that's part of our plan now and we do we do study it where it's going to go but um you know, I, I say to the residents at home, if it's really, a, you know, an area that they're concerned about, please reach out to us because we do try to fit things in and do things, but if I've truly done a comprehensive study of all the sidewalks, that I have not. I just don't have the resources. I mean, even in this budget this year, we had to cut $300,000 from road that was in the operating budget. Correct. Because, you know, to, for the funding of the stormwater and the phosphorus control mm-hmm. plan and stuff like that, so eventually, I think we're going to see some of that restored when we get you know the utilities up and running, but uh, this year was you know a tough year
2: again. but we we don't completely neglect those. You know, if a resident calls and says you know there's some bad areas, I mean we've sent guys out. there cut out those really bad areas. Maybe there were some roots and stuff in those areas, but you know we try to do our best to get out there and at least get the, the really bad areas patched with what we have for for uh, staff to get money at this time.
4: Uh, I recognize the challenging and. You know, I'm happy to send you pictures sometime of how bad Oakland Parkway is and how bad oh, I'm not some, 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 some yes, other man. sections <laughs> are, right. Um, but if at any point you find yourself with some surplus money from a job, maybe you can head on over with a crew and get a couple of sidewalks done. That would be appreciated. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank
0: you, Councillor Councillor
10: Hamble. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, thank you for being here. Tonight, uh, Carlos and Derek and Brutus. It's always good to see you guys here. Um, I won't talk about the bike lanes on the road because we've already got that. Uh, SNet, ec, very excited for the S work you guys are going to be doing. Um, I have one question about the recycling of the um, the pink bags, the change of that process, and. Um, do you think that because now we have to set up our own time for the pickup is, are we going to have, do you think that we'll have more of that stuff that normally got recycled in the trash and will that cause the fee to go up? For you so Mr. Chair. I think that makes sense,
14: right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> for you Mr. Chair. So uh, we, had to adjust that plan based on the fuel costs associated with collecting those, um, the pink clothing bags is what you're referring to? Yes, Yep. sorry. So they used to traverse the entire route, Mm -hmm. trash route every single day and pick up the bags that were there. And of course, when the program first starts, there's a lot of people who are donating a lot of clothes because it's new. And over time, it's smoothed out. And taking that into consideration, along with the fuel costs that we've seen, the most sustainable way provide the service, which isn't offered in every town. This is something that Franklin does to go, uh, to make it even easier for people to recycle recycling. Um We tried to do it in such a manner that would be consistent as much as possible with the existing program. So people can either call to schedule a pickup or they can go online to schedule a pickup. And we also have a drop-off location at the DPW and a drop-off location at the recycling center. So there's a couple options for people to still use, um, and if anybody has any suggestions to make it even better, I'm, I'm all ears. But we really wanted to reduce unnecessary travel to collect those uh, items. So
13: I just want to clarify, the folks at home, you're not paying for the service. Right. This, this, uh, so just wait, there. You know, we say we, 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 we. We're working with them. Yeah. But ultimately, they're doing it for free. It's not costing <laughs> us anything. And to your point, it does save us money because if we take a thousand pounds of clothes out of our single stream or waste, we don't pay for them. So that's safe, that's how it saves us money, actually. Yeah,
10: that's one of the things I worry about is that more people will it'll be easier just to put it back into the trash mm-hmm. instead of using the recycle bins. But it's great to know that we can bring it to the DPW
14: or yep, there's uh, a recycle center, yep. and we don't need the pink bags anymore, is that true? That's correct, you can just use either, uh, it should just be any bag that's kind of labeled, Sort of like some other donation systems have it, as long as you write on the bag, but you can also print out a special exciting oh, okay. All right. And we get plenty of think bags so people. Are- <laughs> <laughs> and that's been pretty consistent between 15,000 and 20,000 pounds like, a month for those. Right, so if that's, live,
10: that's, that's if that goes back into
14: the waste stream, but- that would be very unfortunate. But we haven't seen those dip yet. We, I mean, of course, we haven't received um, anything from the new system. Right. But over time, it's been pretty consistent.
10: Okay, and uh, I'm sure that you'll you'll be able to see if the if the um, amount of, weight of waste goes up from once we start. This, yeah. um, thank you for that information. But I think I saw a lot of pink bags out on the side of the road the other day, and I thought, oh, we, there's a new way to do this. We need to get more people that information. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me about some kind of if they can help. With, the, with um, trails and um, I was wondering if you guys were thinking about putting together like a citizens brigade that can go out there and help you um, with the rail the recreational trails and, and things like that. So or typ- if I should just tell people that.
13: Yeah. So typically in the past it's it's people come to us. Okay. And say okay, I got a bunch of folks that okay, we want to do this. And the yeah. two best examples I can say is our dog park. Mm-hmm. That we you know we funded but they maintain it pretty much. Well, I mean, we help out occasionally. We built it, but they're maintaining. It. Right. Same thing would be the uh, the vegetable garden. Yeah. Which has been very successful too. We kind of built it. You know, the council appropriated money, but they maintain it and they take care of it. They Ryan maintains it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. We, yeah, we've done a lot together with that, but that's that's yeah. two good successes. Um. So going forward, it's like yeah, people want to help out. Yes, we here. I'm on charge of all the trails. You know, a lot of conservation. We try to help out. With Okay. But I think if, if the group wants to come together, we'll certainly work with them. It's like you know we work with so many different groups. Like hey, we're going to do a litter pickup, you know, on Earth Day, where the guys would go out and pick up all the trash. After Charles River Watershed picks up everything, we help out. But I'm, I do not have the time, staff, personnel to, to lead people around and do stuff. Right. Oh, you can no. tell me, and we'll help. Okay. okay. Okay.
10: Thank you, Thank
0: you, Mr. Thank you Councilor Hammond. Council Jones.
9: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, just kind of part of the facilities discussion I said earlier in regards to the high school and other grounds uh, litter, trash. Uh, trash um, I know it's probably, again, you guys' personnel issue, right? There's a more of uh, just more trash that happens to be propagating around the town litter.
13: Cool. Uh, it's, it's a couple of things. Yeah, he has personnel, some of it we do contract out, and some of it's communication, yeah. and you know, it was kind of touched on before, and a number of barrels. I mean, we got to get a balance here, for what's going on, because if I put all these barrels out there, then people are going to be just throwing stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. They don't pick it up. Uh, we, we do go out there. We do get it. Um, you know, Carlos has done a great job. I could send the emails. He sent out to all the coaches, and, and Ryan was spot on. Once we started getting the coaches in there a little more, get them involved, and they, they make them clean up apps. But if we're not, if you know, we're not saying out this information, then it does get overwhelmed, and we only have much system. You know, back in 2010, and we were laying people off, and everything else, we were gonna pull every trash barrel. Say, hey, it's a, we'd come to a take-in, take-out, and a lot of towns do that, yeah. right? And then it's, it turns into, like, we know, he knows all the schedules, he knows the schedule, school part of those schedules, so if it's a Friday afternoon, and I'm not picking on any team, but it's the girls across team out there, mm-hmm. okay? And they show up, and it's all littered, well, you know what? We maybe don't get to use the fuel anymore, because you're not taking care of it. So, it is a balance, it is an education. But, um, yeah, more people are at home, so we are getting more trash, and we do put the appropriate number of barrels out there, we
9: really do. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that there's been any illegal dumping across the town at all? We get it occasionally, I mean, we have send them out, but
13: you know, Derek, I've done it the past. The police been really good. We we love calling them. They, you wouldn't believe what you people throw out. They're so stupid. They leave all their bills in there. <laughs> I mean, we just call the police up. Like, okay, we'll go tell them. My favorite was we caught a kid. We found his his ID in there. And then we found a bong in there that they had a party.
11: They were just trying to get rid
13: of it. So I got the dad there we're going through and we find all the stuff. And So Yes, it's, we get it, but um, they're pretty easy to track down. <laughs> That's probably not what you want to hear. Oh. No.
9: Ten thirty. Nice. That's kind of relief, <laughs> though. So yeah. Especially at ten thirty-five. Right, right, so, yeah. Um, other than that, I just I can't I, I can't be, begin to rave how great of a job the WWE does, general, You guys are awesome. Just, the, just the, how, I, it amazes me how you can get to 27 square miles, or whatever we are our town it is, and, and, and get as much done as you guys do with the time and the personnel that you have. It's just an extraordinary feat. Everybody does such a good job. I just wanted to shoot me. some accolades. out uh, everybody? to everybody' you got a good. great team from the top and, of the block. These you guys sit next to me and are the newest absolutely. waivers, they're all you, great. You, you certainly do. And then and, and there's a lot more coming down the bike. So thank you for your time.
0: Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor DeLorca. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you.
8: Uh, thanks, guys, for coming out. Um, Prudence, you, in your budget, I know it went up. At, you figured in for fuel costs going up so high. Yeah. I'm so glad <laughs> you
13: So, I, I was thinking about how to say this to you. And I, I, and I always want to remind you folks that with my budget, which is so much different than every other budget right. you see, but it's a school department, my budget depending on which utility or whatever, but 60 to 70% of our, our expenses. They, that's it, at the end of the day. And I, I we do a really good job forecasting. I think you know that we're usually pre, we, we <coughs> run averages over five years, up and down, we're, we're so affected by different things. And we've been pretty much spot on. I can tell you, I've had a hard time really figuring out this last six months, okay, with you know, the year start with inflation, and then we have a war, and then we got, fertilizer plants blowing up i mean you just name it so in like in this budget before what happened to ukraine i already increased our budget by seventy thousand dollars for fuel okay what's happened now since then because we started preparing this budget last december Mm
2: -hmm.
13: kathy and i were running the numbers if things just stay the same we're another hundred and seventy thousand dollars that we don't have in next year's budget if keep you know we keep staying at where we're at um it's a difficult thing because we, you know, public works, as it says, we touch on everything here. You know, the, the police, the fire, every piece of equipment. We, we got our hand in the schools, you know, all the, the, the water, everything. So the chemicals that we have to use, it goes, it's very volatile right now. And the last thing I want to do is come to you, you know, next May, But I'm saying it right now, was like, I can't help this. I, I really don't, I put the best budget forward, and I have, and I've looked at it, and we were did very well you know, even the contract that we work hard and buying fuel, like this will make people really happy at home. Up until last week, we were only paying $2.35 a gallon yeah, for diesel. Yeah. Wow. You know, we're, we're, pay, we're paying market price now because our contract ran out and they're not renewing contracts, you know? So we gotta wait till they're gonna do it. And I, I would honestly say to you, I would not want to buy fuel right now. I would say, let's wait a couple of months because I don't know how much higher it's gonna go, but it's gotta go lower. it just has to. Be. So but that's that's just one example no that's where not. we're at and that's and that's a tough thing about yeah. this budget it's a big budget but most of its expenses it's just like all you folks at home you know you're trying to figure out food costs you know free fuel costs repairs that we you know how many buildings sewer lift stations and do we take care of them
8: no. so i have no but i no, can't give you the no there's no way you're going to be able to figure it up. it's just it's impossible correct but that's it, and I was going to bring up the bike lanes, but be careful because the business owners are still in Cambridge because they're all shutting down because they got bike lanes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Councillor Galarco. Is there any other councillor that has a question? Thank you. Anyone in the audience?
1: Thank you. Thank you. I just want to add maybe a detail around the campus and the grounds. Um, We sent out a notification and I I think it would be good general information for people to know. We sent out a communication last week um, talking about some of the difficulty we're having um, with unsupervised kids on school grounds Mm -hmm. after hours. Um, So we've talked a lot about the teams and the coaches and people intervening in that regard. Um, but I am wondering if some of the uh, litter that may be experienced is from some unsupervised kiddos. Mm -hmm. Um, We want our campus to be a welcome place for kids who are coming and being on the playground and and stuff after hours and we don't want to have to shut anybody down, Uh, but they are engaging and we have had reports of unsafe behavior and um, have asked families to talk to their children about Um, you know, being safe and being respectful and being appropriate and I don't think it's kids just being kids. I think kids can throw their trash away. I think that's something that they can learn and um, that we can reasonably expect of them. So um, I just wanted to add that to the story and make you aware of it um, as something in the community as the weather's gotten nicer. um, That's something that we've seen. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank Thank you Dr. Is there anyone else in the audience that has a question or comment? Uh, is there anyone else in Zoomland? DPW. Thanks, Captain. So a couple more. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for staying till the end. Okay, next item held is uh, 510, uh Board of Health, and I think it was myself that held that. I guess I was just curious about the staffing of that.
7: Are we now using, do we share in a health agency? Great, you, James. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. So um, first and foremost, as I mentioned earlier, one of the, uh, the the main increase in the administrative personnel, the only increase, is just simply due to the fact that Melissa's salary downstairs was moved from the building department's budget to the health department. Uh, the second piece I would mention is um, in other contractual services, there's an appropriation at 39250 That pays for our state-required uh, part-time uh, public health nurse. Okay. Through a uh, recent regional alliance, which was actually on the goals uh, for the council, uh, we're not ready yet, still kind of finding its footing. Uh, with Rentham in Norfolk. uh, We have received, uh, well, we haven't received it all yet, which is kind of a sticking point, but um, we are getting about $900,000 over three years from a public health grant where DPH was really putting out, uh, you know, actually they approached us. Uh, They also approached us about, uh, and they've given us the funding for a full-time epidemiologist, at least up until the end of this fiscal year, and may continue on. There's still a lot of questions and what ifs. Um, all of that money that I just mentioned, uh, Mr. Chair, is all off-budget. It's not included in the operating budget because it's all grant funding, <laughs> subject to appropriation at the legislative level. Okay.
14: You
0: answered ninety percent of my questions with that statement. Uh, any, que- any other questions from the council? Anybody in the audience? Anybody on Zoom? Moving on. Uh, Next item held was 630 uh, Recreation. Seltzer up, 12. Just <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs>
0: no. uh, Actually, 20. Sorry. 20. 20.
2: Uh, okay. uh, thanks, Ryan, for coming <laughs> <preeminence>. in. <It, laughs> nothing big. Your
8: budget's fine. Everything's
15: good. Uh, Thank you. i back there. Nah.
2: <laughs> budget's
8: fine. <laughs> In the state of Massachusetts, but uh, I just want the people to know we—I know what the answer is. But the upcoming projects coming, you know, the fund, you know, probably next yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, well,
15: uh, we haven't got it voted through yet. But yeah. Community preservation money is—we're looking to do the Nason Street hot lot to completely renovate that whole thing and yeah. put in ADA compliant uh, surfacing. And we're looking to do uh, the Beaver Pond expansion project, complete that. Mm-hmm. We just got a contract to do all the rough grading uh, for that. And then Jamie had put in for a $200,000 grant with the state to do the Fletcher Field playground over. So we're hoping to get that funding as well. But okay. crossing our fingers that all that money comes in, and we'll have a lot of projects done. Um, and you. then we also have, um, and we're looking at doing King Street, some work over at the King Street Memorial Park as well. Uh, I won't get too ahead of myself, but that's 2024. Yeah. <laughs> I also just wanted to mention, Sarah's 100% right about the whole trash issue. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, I visit all the parks and playgrounds, and and the unsupervised children are contributing to probably 90% of the, the, the litter. If You get out Fletcher Field, the rink, I mean, our staff is constantly sweeping up water bottles and, and trash, it's just, we have such nice facilities yeah. in the town, that's that's one of the problems, is they're all hanging out there, and, which is good. They're playing, they're just, they're just littering. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you.
0: That's I'm good.
15: fine, I just,
0: okay. thanks for uh, Just a couple of quick,
15: quick questions, sure. Ryan. Uh, participation <laughs> programs? Yeah, so we're way up right, programs? Right, like yeah, we're thing. way up right now. Participation numbers are awesome. I mean, uh, typically 5,800 kids in a year we're getting, so it's a big population of the town. Um, the last three months have been off the charts. We've been 60,000 plus in revenue every month, the last three months, so, which, um, this is gonna be the, we're gonna break a record this year in revenue coming in, so, it's been very good. Staffing? Yeah, uh, we, we added a half a position um, into this budget. We had, uh, you know, two, two full-time, uh, two part-timers, now we have three in one. And um, yeah, staffing's going good. We have uh, 58 active employees, and a lot of that is like, you know, high school, college-age kids that are program aides that are helping. Um, so minimum wage has gone up, so that's why you see about an 8%, uh, 8 $8,000 increase in our um, seasonal budget, and it's more for like uh, getting our camp counselors up to minimum wage, and uh, those high school kids that help out with programming. So yeah, our staffing's great. Great. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Councilor Jones. Thank you, showing, Ryan. So good to see you.
9: you again. Thank you for sticking around for all of that. Yep. So well, fun. But, um, are you are you not still the only self-funded budget item on this budget?
15: I'm not sure. Uh, uh, you'd have to ask Jamie now. From, I know. Uh, from yeah. my understanding. From my understanding. Yeah. <laughs> <that> every <laughs> single <laughs>
9: budget season, the Recreation Department, that your your expense your expense accounts and your and your your line items are always self-funded through the fee base that you have for many of the programs that you have,
7: and that is just a tremendous feat. Is that still true, Jamie? It is true. Uh, in fact, a couple notes. Uh, it's in all likelihood as the recovery kind of comes, um, you know, I think more and more people obviously want to uh, be active, be outside, participate in programs. Um, I said it earlier. I think one of the things that clearly makes you know Ryan, uh, you know, the best recreation director I've ever met. He just continually innovates based on customer service. We talk about you know DPW and stuff. We're a customer service-based organization. We have to react to what people want. He's always knows uh, five steps ahead of the audience what they're looking for uh, and what people want. I think that keeps uh, his revenues uh, pretty good. Um, I think registration, if I'm not mistaken, it been off the charts. Um, so there very well could be a surplus affiliated with that. And as I've spoken to Ryan before, you know if he keeps on being so damn successful, um, you know there may have to be you know some adjustments you know in the future um, you know to his budget to add more to try to compensate for this demand. So um, uh, I think the last couple of years have been really good in that dollar to dollar framework, Councillor Jones. Yeah. I think I expect that to continue, um, and we'll just take it year by year. So, um, I just need clarification on two words I'm really not familiar with
9: tonight Um, under budget and surplus. What do those mean? No, but I'll joke on the side. The recreation department is absolutely just one of the best offerings that the town of Frank could ever offer its community because it's such. It's so well received by the citizens and the youth and the families in this town that I've uh, yeah. I, 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 I got to admit I'm a recipient of it. The kids are recipients of it. Auto played the cross and all the other various things in the town, but it is by far one of one of the aspects of this community that makes the town attractive. Quite literally one of the best places to live. Thank
11: you very much. Thank you, Councillor
0: Jones. Are you glad you stayed around? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Councilman Sheridan. Yeah. I agree with
15: all the positive words. Uh, but I just, just want to consider, can we get lifeguards back at even more? No. Um, <laughs> no, just being honest. It's it's, it's, um, it's a tremendous expense, number one. To, yeah. They're hard to find, number two. We're only open at the beach for eight weeks, and to employ uh, lifeguards for eight weeks is really hard when you've got... Um, the Adirondack Club, the YMCA, you've got other organizations in town that Im- that suck up all of the resources, and they're paying them really well. Um, we just don't get the volume of customers coming in that are gonna pay to recoup that money. Um, we used to be about $30,000 deficit between when we paid the lifeguards and all the money that we brought in and gave receipts, so. But just to put a concern, you test the water. We
9: do. Right, so last time I took my kids there it was a little paying dinner. it was packed. Mm-hmm. The kids had taken, the old lifeguard yeah.
15: chair put on. We took them away. I know. They, they put it on <laughs> the off. They're yep. you know, assuming there's like kids would be doing floatables outside the swimming area and everything. We staff it with a gate guard yeah. uh, eight hours a day just to keep it um, you know, residents only. Uh, we have a swim at swim your own risk policy there. A lot of towns are going to that model just because of the tremendous cost and, and the shortage of lifeguards. I mean, you're seeing it even at the MDC pools. A lot of the, you know, local pools are, are having problems finding lifeguards. It's just hard to find them. I, I would love to do it, you know, and if, if the council decides you want to fund something like that, we'll try.
0: Council Sheridan, you're set? Oh, just to follow up on uh, one of the things that Councilor Sheridan said, do we
15: uh, rope off a swimming area? Uh... We we haven't in the past three years since. I'm calls. just wondering if that might help some we, we of the We can do issue. that. We can do that. I have I have the uh, equipment to do that. Might just be worth yep, worth it to try and we'll get on it. To, yeah, contained to a degree.
11: Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll get
0: on that's that. a good idea. Councilor Frongillo. Yeah.
11: Just a quick addition to the phrase. Uh, uh, on the note of uh, you know responding to uh, customer needs and demands. Um, I, just yesterday, uh, someone came up to me uh, saying how great the new cricket pitch is, mm-hmm. and um, this is something that I brought to you at super, super quickly, um, we had uh, identified a location, uh, worked with DPW to make it better, and just got tremendous praise for it uh, yesterday. Apparently it's gonna just only see an increase
15: in use, yep. so thank well, you for- Carlos for is to be on. thanked for that. He did all the work, his guys did all the work on it. But yeah, we, we identified that uh, JFK on the weekends wasn't being used for softball, and uh, we allowed them to use that facility, and. They've done some improvements up there. Carlos' guys have done a great job. So, thanks.
0: Thank you, Councillor Frangelo. Any other councillors? Seeing none, anyone in the audience? Anyone out on Zoom? Ryan, you can catch the last two minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It'll last about two hours. Yeah. But. Uh, okay, uh, last item, last item being held was department 695 cultural. Councilor Cormier-Ledger.
4: So I'm the last one uh, keeping everybody from going home. Is that what you're saying?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I right? still have to
4: pay Okay. Well, that's it. So, and, and thank you, Mr. Chairman. And I, I, I guess I want to say, it, um, in one part of me is incredibly grateful that the fifteen thousand dollars is there, uh, and that it's you know it's it's level funded. Um, for the, the cultural council uses that for grants. If many people don't know. I guess the part of me that criticizes this is it doesn't it doesn't show an increase and it doesn't really show our commitment as a community to arts and culture. I think as a cultural district, as a place that just had a cultural festival that brought in eight thousand people, the estimated revenue from that event was over four hundred thousand dollars that came to artists. The food vendors the alcohol vendors and tickets for future shows I mean that's a significant economic impact to the town and to see that we're not contributing anything here to go toward that festival for this fall I think is a misstep um, and that's no uh, discredit to the team that put the budget together because I know it's tough to make numbers work but I do feel like maybe there's a way, it's nice to hear that Ryan has a surplus, that's uh, maybe there's a way the festival could somehow fall under the park and rec budget somehow, but I do think we need to look at a way to help so that that committee of volunteers doesn't have to find and fundraise $30,000. They don't have to find $7,500 to rent a tent over the stage like there were so many groups that benefited from that festival and that have said to us what a fantastic thing it was for the town and it's only going to grow but if we take it for granted and we don't give that group some support that will die so i just i guess implore everyone if there's any possibility to find even some of that $30,000 $30,000 that Kay and her team estimated cost to put that festival on. I think that would be uh, fantastic for the town.
0: Thank you.
7: Kobe has Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, uh, I agree with Consular Cormier Ledger 100%. Um, I think um, in a uh, a very rare case of self-defense, and I, and I respect it. I know that you, you're not uh, saying this is some sort of critique. Uh, but I think it exposes a gap that the community at large has to also help out with uh, their organizing. Um, after the festival's success last year, in a debrief, it was offered by myself to the to the Cultural Council to then put into this year's budget the full funding of the cost of the festival. And unfortunately, it seems like maybe that message didn't really get relayed fully. Um, and there are some, I believe, in that, in that constituency that felt that going out and continuing to get sponsorships or fundra- whatever the whatever the techniques were, was preferred than having a town appropriation uh, in this court. And while I think that clearly after seeing Michael Bobbitt, clearly after the cultural festival last year uh, clearly, after Art uh, Week a couple of years ago, um, and from our own studies at NAPC that did uh, the analysis a couple of years ago, there is no question the town of Franklin is losing a lot of customers and a lot of money and tremendous economic <coughs> opportunity in the culture of the arena and the arts. The Michael Bobbitt speech gave us the blueprint, I think, for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think communication doesn't, you know, I think these groups have to start working together and start communicating as one, start unifying, and really coming up with what Michael presented was really a strategic plan of some sort. It's not a bureaucratic thing you put on the on the, you know, on the file cabinet and nobody looks at it again. But something that's really constructive and tries to continue to make investments you know, every year um, in the town budget contributions, advocating at the state level. Uh, it's great that they kept on pointing at the state rep who was there, who could help out on this too. Um, and uh, and so, you know, I, I, uh, I just respectfully, I think, ask the arts and cultural boards and committees and organizations in Franklin to really join forces and find a way to work together, because I, I completely agree with you, and I think you know that, and I think Council knows that the community knows that this is a big passion for me, uh, personally and professionally. I think this is a huge opportunity for everybody to be uplifted. Uh, and I, but I think there's a, a much deeper conversation that needs to happen from a grassroots perspective about what what is the plan here, who's doing what, and what where where are we going to put those funds? Is it the cultural district line item, the cultural, you know, uh, and, and so forth? So,
11: um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I appreciate that Thank you, Gene. Councilor Frangelo. Yeah, thank you. And, and I appreciate Councilor cormier ledger for marking this. I, I also had a, had a hold on this because I, I think both of you articulated um, everything it, even better than I, I didn't know we had the, the numbers. I mean, yeah. It, it a very little that we put into culture and arts comes back many-fold. Um, and a whole bunch of different benefits. And the, the only uh, other benefit I would add is just the value that it adds to town, uh, which comes back in, in uh, property value, it comes back in, in just people, you know, the quality of life uh, around town. Um, and, and I think that you articulate, you know, I agree with, with all your comments. To um, Michael Bob's Obama, comments I just wrote down. I asked him, this is the, uh, like the state director of, mass cultural yeah. council. Um, I'd asked him, you know, what are communities that are doing better uh, than others in the arts? What are the things that set them apart? And he, he identified three things. One is a master plan that sort of organizes uh, everything. Another is a, a paid staffer, um, and, a, and a third is set space. Uh, I think I had um, those right. So yeah. you know, that's sort of the direction that I think we want uh, to be heading. The only place where I would, differ in my understanding than yours, because I know that you are a big advocate, and I agree with everything. The only place I would differ is I wouldn't put the onus on or continue to put the onus on the volunteer arts advocates. You know, I I would put the onus on us as a town. You know, we know that they need more. We know that it's, um, that there's value. And I would echo um, Councillor Cormier's ledger's ask that we, you know, if if we're going to increase anything, uh, it's not much um to, to make a pretty big difference um, I, I would like to increase that, that okay.
0: thank you Councilor frangillo any other councilors? um just quickly Three, right. uh,
6: Jenny. Jenny. so i'm not a disagreeing i believe i'd love to give them money um but i know that like the safe coalition the downtown partnership they all get the state grants, correct? Yep. <laughs> so we're not giving them a dime or, or no, the coalition no. would give up uh, 50,000, yeah. yeah. But that comes from a certain funding source.
7: Sure. Um, Here, Chairman, so for the Safe Coalition, most of their funding comes through um, the state um, yeah. in the form of legislative appropriations. Outside of the appropriation we made this fiscal year, which Working on the contract earlier today for the yeah. state motion for the $175,000 budget, which will go to them soon. That's going to be a one time thing. If we get into funding nonprofits, that's an extraordinarily dangerous precedent. Uh, in terms of the cultural stuff, it is true. We do get a matching uh, appropriation from the state that's not in the town budget for grants. And they go through a process, and Councilor Corbin Ledger would know a little bit more about it than I do. Most of the grants are oftentimes smaller organizations, art organizations, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's teachers uh, that are doing arts programs at the schools and they have an idea outside of the school. Uh, it's a lot of different organizations. I do not believe the Safe Coalition does get money from the Cultural Council. No. And the Downtown Partnership, I don't believe, gets money from the Cultural Council either. No,
6: In the no, no I, I was just asking where these other places get their money from. I was trying to figure out, like, can we use some of the marijuana money? I mean, how? I'm just trying to come up with a funding source because obviously you're not going to find 20,000 tonight. I mean,
7: no, I think, uh, I think, I, well, uh, I'm just going to kind of wrap it up a little. Yeah, uh, uh, gonna, you, but Yeah. But, no, right, you know, I, I've listened tonight, as I said earlier, I've been an audience member. It's, been a, it's really been quite uh, pretty cool. Um, the amount of requests that I've heard validated is tens and tens of millions. So (laughs) folks, uh, eventually, at some point, are going to have to make some really hard decisions. Um, In terms of trying to up any line item, again, I just remind folks, in November we come back after all the state aid comes through, the state budget is completed, uh, which will get done in probably July or August. Uh, Once we get our new cherry sheets, and we find out where new growth is, and we find out where all the revenue sources, this is why we do a fall meeting. Just like many towns that do a special town meeting in the fall, to close the loop on these items. So, for all of the stuff that we've talked about tonight in every department, I just would hold, my personal professional opinion would be, is to approve the budget as is, you know, tomorrow night, you know, through the regular course, and let's watch where all of this goes over the next several months in terms of our revenue sources including state aid and such. And we can certainly try to make an adjustment to a line item or look at what the revenues are like and make adjustments in the fall before we set the tax rate here. That's just a tip to everybody for who doesn't know the budget process. We do come back in the fall and kind of recap everything out, close out the books and set the tax rate in December. So. Uh, I've got a huge list of items. Um, they're great ideas. They're ideas that largely I, I pretty much support across the board. Um, obviously, the price Correct. tag far exceeds the revenues we will have, far Um And I would recommend to come back in the fall and take a look at some of these line items like the cultural council or some of the other issues that we've talked about. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Tony. Okay, uh, I'm going to declare the first public hearing closed. We do have, by law, we're required to have a second public hearing which which will be on tomorrow evening. I'm going to ask my fellow counselors now, uh, there's a lot of people that have stayed a long time tonight too, uh, and I tried hard to get through this entire budget so that maybe we don't have to have these people or all of them come back tomorrow night. So what I would ask of my fellow counselors, if there is a department that you would like more information from tomorrow night, please tell me right after the meeting and we will get to those people and uh, have them come to the meeting tomorrow night. Otherwise, I want to thank everybody for being here for a very lengthy session. I think it was a very informative night for a lot of us. Uh, I'm sure for a lot of the new counselors, it was very overwhelming. Uh, And Brutus was normally as he normally is, very entertaining.
7: Uh, but He's not even laughing at that. No, Come on, And I'm very happy to
0: see that the fire chief and the police chief made up in the back of the room.
7: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so with
7: Mr. Celtics 1938.
0: Uh, Celtics 1938. So I would entertain
2: a motion motion to a second. Yes. Motion and We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.